welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. because we're anticipating that day hallelujah let your kingdom come 21 years ago 846 when that first plane hit that tower that's exactly what most of the world was thinking they thought the end of the world was coming they thought God's judgment was coming right then amen but God is merciful God is gracious amen and I'm so thankful that he gives time Amen. For everybody to make their election sure. Amen. God is so good. It is a day where we do remember what happened on that fateful day when almost 3,000 folks were, lives were taken from this earth in an act of cowardice. Amen. And something that had to happen, I guess, uh, the majority of them coming in New York, almost 2,800. 40 in Pennsylvania in a plane, Pentagon about another 184, 25,000 people were injured on that day. And still today, there are people facing illnesses and sicknesses just from that day. Amen. It's a day we cannot never forget. Amen. And how appropriate to say, let your kingdom come. Amen. It's not our will, it's his will. We serve a mighty God. It's not an easy task this morning. Amen. Sharing a little bit while ago, everybody looking at some of the memorials. The one that stands out to me was the second one at the, the ground zero. That was after everything he got cleaned up and put in place and everything. And they had the actual memorial. We'll touch on that here in a minute. No, but God is good. So thankful to be here. Thankful you're here. Our text this morning comes from Acts, the 24th chapter. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Thank you for those songs. Those songs were so appropriate from our worship team. Amen. I'm thankful for notes because I almost feel lost for words. God is so good. But Acts, the 24th chapter, starting in verse 24. Amen. It says this. The word of the Lord says this, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Amen. Lord, Paul, I felt the conviction of your word. But right now, I just can't do it. So won't you go and come back? I'll call you when I feel I'm ready. Amen. If you allow me for a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about a sad memorial. A 
sad memorial. We're, we're memorializing today. We want to stand. We stand in honor of 9/11 and memorials that are forever settled. Amen. But there's a sad memorial in our text that I want to, with the help of the Lord, just bring to light this morning. If you'll put your Bibles down and raise your hands, let's lift them up to the Lord and ask the Lord to bless His Word this morning. Lord, we love and we praise and we thank You for your presence that's in this place. Lord, we give you all honor. We give you all glory. Lord, thank you for everything you've done. Lord, thank you for your protection, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a just God, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you just tear down every stronghold, Lord, and cast down every imagination, Lord, as we enter into your presence. Lord, help us to self-evaluate ourselves, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to take a look at where we stand in our walk with you this morning, Lord Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to go a little further, Lord, to dig a little deeper, Lord, to go a little higher, Lord, in our relationship with you, Lord Jesus. We give you all honor and we give you all glory, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Amen. Smile at your neighbors. You're being seated. What a mighty God we serve. A memorial is a lasting testimony. Amen. It's a lasting testimony. Looking back, as I made mention, at the second, at the second anniversary in 2003 of, of September 11, terrorist attack on the United States at 8.46 a.m., New York City paused, as it did this morning, in silence and commemorate the time that the first hijacked plane hit one of the World Trade Center's towers. Afterwards, in a simple but moving ceremony that commemorated the past but looked to the future, children read the names of the 2,798 people who died in a terrorist attack on New York that morning. The ceremony paused four times, twice to mark the times the two planes hit the towers and twice to mark the times the towers fell. Churches and fire stations around the city tolled their bells. While the names were read, family members descended the ramp to the site and laid flowers in two small rectangular reflecting pools representing the footprints of the 110-story twin towers that were destroyed. The sorrowful litany of names was read by 200 children and young adults. Two by two, the children stood and read at a simple podium in the deep pit of ground zero each ending with the name of his or her father, mother, brother, uncle, grandfather, or other relatives who died that day. Each name is a memorial to a life, one the life that had impacted somebody's life and made an everlasting impression. Each represents a father or a mother, a husband or a wife, a friend, a loved one, all our lives that were cut short that day. The list of names has now been engraved in granite as a lasting memorial to the people who died on that fateful day. The memorial is a final epitaph of the lives it represents. One of the last statements that identifies everything they were and what they were have become. They are the heroes of 9-11. Amen. The memorial to the victims of 9-11 joins the distinguished league of monuments that commemorate the history of our great nation. Its companions are the famous statue of the five Marines raising the flag on Iwo Jima, a memorial to the sacrifices made for liberty and freedom. 
Amen. The Vietnam Memorial is another granite wall engraved with the names of all the war dead, a memorial to the tremendous loss of life. The famous statue that stands in New York Harbor as a memorial to the majesty and of liberty. Amen. These are all grand memorials. Amen. There's memorials everywhere, ridding. We place them here at the church. Amen. To remember the names are etched and will live forever. Amen. Not just on the granite, but in our hearts and in our spirits. Amen. But I want to talk about another memorial. It's not one you can go to and visit, yet it also stands as an eternal monument to a life. It is a sad memorial to the life of Felix, the governor of Judah. It has been erected upon the spiritual grave of a soul and is forever a reminder of the grave danger of spiritual procrastination. Amen. It is a grave reminder of spiritual procrastination. Engraved in the eternal memorial are two simple words. Felix trembled. He trembled at the word of God. He trembled in the presence of God. Felix just merely trembled, but he did not repent. Amen. He did not do an about face. Amen. He took no actions other than he trembled. Amen. Felix was a victim of not a terrorist attack, not a war, but he was a victim of tomorrow. If today has slain its thousands, then tomorrow has slain its ten thousands. He represents those who were touched but not changed, stirred but not persuaded. Paul preached his heart to Felix, but Felix only trembled in response. He trembled and said, tomorrow when God said today. Amen. I am reminded of 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 where Paul remembers the words of God. He says, I have heard thee in the time of accepted and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put off today. For tomorrow what you can do today, secure your eternity. Amen. Today is the day of salvation, yet many will miss it because they are willing victims of tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll change. Tomorrow I'll get it together. I'm a little busy today. You know, I just we'll just do it tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll break this habit. I know I haven't been living right, and there's some things I need to lay at the altar. But you know, it's, it's a little too late today. I've already woke up and had this thought, done this, and done that. So tomorrow I'll lay it at the altar. Tomorrow I will break these habits. Tomorrow I'll come to a place of repentance. Amen. Tomorrow I'll do an about face. Oh, I know my prayer life ain't where it needs to be, but you know what? Starting tomorrow, I'll pray more. Tomorrow, I'll pick up my Bible and I'll read it more. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I will fast. I know I've been fighting with my flesh, but tomorrow will be the day I will start and be determined to get this flesh under dejection. Tomorrow, I'll fast. Tomorrow, I will find the talent to devote to God. I've been feeling God's been wanting me to do something. So maybe I'll just dig it up out of the hole that I put it in and break it out and use it before God. Tomorrow, I will allow God, I will allow God to use my life in the way that He wants to use it. Amen. Tomorrow I will dedicate my life to Him. Tomorrow I will become all that God died for me to be. Tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow. Tomorrow has an ugly sister called someday. But tomorrow and someday never come. Amen. Because we're too busy putting it off. 
because it's always tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. Amen. You cannot play with your salvation. Amen. It needs to be settled today. Amen. Tomorrow I'll allow God to use me. Amen. When you choose to live as a prisoner of tomorrow, you stand powerless to act today. You can tremble as conviction moves your heart, but you will find yourself powerless to respond. Tomorrow dampens the voice of God. Amen. Tomorrow shrugs off today's call. Tomorrow never comes. Amen. It's always tomorrow. I remember when Rex was little, as a child, he struggled with the concept of tomorrow. Hey, Dad, is it tomorrow? Today, is it tomorrow yet? Amen. And promisely, I used to promise him, hey, we'll go do something tomorrow. And Rex couldn't understand because he'd wake up and say, hey, is it tomorrow? No, it's today. Well, Dad, you said tomorrow. Well, it's today, son. But you said tomorrow. I understand that tomorrow will always be tomorrow. Today is today. Amen. It's not tomorrow, it's today, it changes, amen? But he had trouble understanding that. So patiently we had to explain that tomorrow will always be some future day that will never arrive. That's why the scripture is so adamant, today is the day of salvation. This is the day of your memorial, amen? Felix's tomorrows are never recorded, amen? His life was memorialized on the day he said tomorrow. He will always be remembered as the man who trembled and said, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So the question I ask, maybe some of you know, some of you do not know, but who was Felix? Amen. To understand our text, we must first understand who Felix is. Felix was the governor of Judea during the days of Roman authority. He was born Antonius Claudius, a Greek subject. Early in his life, he was a slave but he was made a free man by the emperor Claudius. Luke gives us one of the most graphic biblical descriptions of this ruler, but does not judge his character. Amen. However, Jewish historians wrote much about this evil ruler. They were graphic about the actions of Philip, even the anticipating of the day of judgment for Felix. Amen. They said, boy, when, he's, when he faces judgment, whew, what a day that's going to be for him. I would not want to be in his shoes. When Luke paints Felix, he is found in royalty, but was not always that way. Amen. He had formerly been a slave. His freedom was purchased for him. In that day, citizenship in the Roman Empire could be purchased at a price. He became the closest companion to their son who was destined. Amen. He, he was slave to a very, fam, very powerful family, but he was companion to their son. Amen. And became his very best friend. Amen. So they, in the act of kindness, they gave Felix the gift of freedom and citizenship. In exchange, he gave himself to a life of service to their son. The Roman historian Tacitus said of Felix that even after his rise of power, prestige, and royalty, he reveled in cruelty and lust. Amen. It was said that he wielded the power of a king with the mind of a slave. He was bitter. He was anger. Amen. And he took it out on anybody and everybody. He was a slave of his own lust. His third wife was Drusilla, who visits Paul with him in our text. Drusilla will serve as a case in point in regards to the bondage of Felix. 
Drusilla was married at 14 to her first husband. Drusilla was the youngest of three daughters of Herod Agrippa I, the ruler who had James put to death. It was her father's uncle, Herod Antipas, who had John the Baptist beheaded on the wish of his wife. It was her great-grandfather, Herod the Great, who was in power at the time of the birth of Jesus, being responsible for the death of the children in the efforts to eliminate the Messiah. Amen. And Felix was absolutely smitten with her. Amen. He was, an, he was so enslaved to his own lust that he lacked all sense of self-control. He would stop at nothing to make her his wife. The historians give great admiration to her, but Felix, smitten by her beauty, resorted to the sorcery of a musician, of a magician to assist him in seducing her away from her first husband. Putting aside his former wife, he purposed to make another man's wife his own. He only cared about self and what he wanted and would stop at nothing to have that power, not only to have that power, but to maintain that power. It's one thing to get there, but you have to maintain it. Amen. This is the truth about Felix. Even though he was rescued from the change of slavery, even though he had ascended to the throne of royalty, there was little change in his character. His kingly crown only disguised his slave's mind. His kingly robes only covered the heart of the slave, rescued from slavery but still in chains and bonds to his own lust. A slave to the evil appetites that remained hidden but not harnessed. There are men who live today who are bound in chains on the inside. Amen. No one can see their chains. No one hears their rattle. No, man can, no one can see the angry scars and the, the chains leaves upon the soul's chains. Where no eyes venture, nevertheless, they still exist. Amen. People walk around in bondage and enslaved every day to their own lust. Amen. Everything is enslaved. Perhaps it was, it was this understanding that motivated Paul to pour his heart out as he preached to Felix on that fateful day. He knew Felix and Drusilla. He knew their yesterdays. He knew the power that the chains of bondage could use to enslave the soul. But he also knew that there was liberty given by the Spirit of God because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. Amen. Once you step into that, pre that presence, it is life-changing. Amen. But it recalls an uh, uh, action from us. Amen. To not our will, Lord, but your will. Amen. But he also knew that there, there was a voice that was drowning out the voice of freedom that was being preached to them. Freedom from yesterday, freedom from tomorrow, freedom over sin, and freedom to be made brand new. In light of such freedom, no man can afford to merely tremble and not be changed. Amen? That blows my mind. Amen? That you stand in the presence of God and you tremble, but you do nothing. It goes back to what Pastor said last week, amen, about those white knuckles on the back of those pews. You're feeling the conviction of God, knowing that God is calling you to a, a way of breaking those chains and out of that lifestyle, amen, but to hold on to it. Amen. And not to let it go. Not to take that step forward and say, Lord, not my will, but your will. And we let the day of our visitation pass us for what? I want to go sow some wild oaks. I'm comfortable where I'm living. It makes no sense to me. 
Amen? I hope it makes no sense to you. That's why we need to be passionate in our prayer for souls. That's why we need to be passionate in our walk. Amen. When it comes to so asking the Lord help us to be sensitive to the needs of those around us because there's people every day walking around in bondage, enslaved to the things of this world. Amen. When they can be set free by the power of God. Amen. Through the act of repentance, being baptized in his name for the remission of sins and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But they're enslaved because they're hearing the voices and the lust of this world, the lust of the flesh has grip of them. But what caused Felix to tremble? He was raised in royal clothes. Paul was the prisoner bound in iron chains. Felix had a facade of a successful life, money, position, power, a beautiful wife by his side. The preached word of God cuts through the facades and speaks to the real issue of the heart. Amen. He really, in reality, Paul was free, but Felix was in chains. Amen. Paul's message exposed the chains of bondage that were still wrapped around the souls of Felix and Drusilla. Paul did not reduce the message of the gospel for Felix and his mistress on that day. No, he didn't water it down. The great ambassador in chains did not waste his words on flattery, but rather he preached the truth of God summed up in three words, righteousness, temperance, and judgment. Amen. That was his message that day. The first topic of Paul's sermon that day was righteousness. The state of living in an utmost importance in every way, whether king or pauper. Amen. It's to live right, to live a righteous life. Amen. To recognize the need for righteousness is to come to terms with the fact that we do not live our lives for ourselves, but we are subject to the scrutiny of God. Amen. It's all about him. It's not about us. Amen. We must decrease so that he can increase. Amen. We must on a daily basis deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Living by this word, living by the preached word. Amen. He sees us as we really are. The call of right living is a call to please God. It is a call that transcends social and economic status. Amen. It is a call to morality, honesty, and integrity in your dealings with others and into the call of honesty, reverence, and respect in your dealings with God. Amen. We can't outrun God. Amen. We stand before a mirror every day, and if we're honest with ourselves, we must examine ourselves. Amen. And to see our eyes through the through the through ourselves through the eyes of God. We you you can't run from him. He knows all things. Amen. You can fool yourself and, and believe the lies that you're telling yourself. But we're going to stand before God in judgment one day. And those words and that thoughts are going to come back to us. If you choose to live live righteously, you can choose to recognize God. If you recognize God, you can go no longer ignoring him. You must judge yourself in light of his righteousness. Felix could not stand with the head high at the initial onslaught of God's word. His throne could elevate him above men, but it could not elevate him above God. Amen. His robes could hide his heart, but they, could, could, they were loose rags to the peering eyes of God. Amen. But the second topic that Paul began to preach of, of was that of temperance, self-control. Amen. The very presence of Drusilla, Drusilla by the side of Felix was proof of how he had failed in a particular virtue. Still a slave to his passions. 
Amen. Paul reasoned with Felix concerning his earthly actions. Amen. Temperance is more than just self-control. Amen. It is the virtue of self-resistance, self-command, and much added discipline. Amen. It takes a lot of discipline to live for God. Amen. It takes a lot of dying out to self to live for God, knowing that it's not about us, it's about Him. It is the virtue of self-resistance, self-command, and, and a much added discipline. Temperance is the holding of the reins of the conduct in the hand of the will. Amen. There is not enough earthly power in the essence of man to maintain the true state of temperance. You need the Holy Ghost. You need God's Spirit every day. This can only come the come from the man who walks in the spirit and does not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. It's walking every day in his word. Dying out every day. Amen. Putting this word, letting this word be written in our hearts that we might not sin against him. Amen. It's holding ourselves true to the values of the Holy Ghost. Letting the spirit lead us. Amen. Being angry and sinning not. Amen. Fleeing temptations. Amen. It is... It was the absence of a particular virtue that introduced man to the downward spiral in the sin in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Temperance is about knowing your limitations. Amen. It is the great help to know that man originated in sin and that his life forever remains short of the glory of God. Much of the failure of man comes because he fails to recognize his own limitations and shortcomings in the flesh. That's why it's important to have a prayer life. It's why it's important to fast and get this flesh under subjection. That's why it's important to put this word in your heart. It's why it's important to come together with people precious like faith to build this relationship. Amen. To hear the spoken word, to hear the testimonies of how others have overcome because if they can overcome, you can overcome. It's through the spirit of God. Amen. Man has the ability to introduce a space shuttle in the Earth's atmosphere into the realms of space. He may transport a, transplant a heart to replace the diseased one. He can manufacture massive weapons of destruction. And he can travel by air, land, and sea. But he cannot save himself. We need God for that. That's why we're gathered here this morning. Amen. That knowledge demands that a man turn to God for help in controlling himself. Amen. It's dying out to self every day. Amen. Denying ourselves every day. Picking up our cross. Making those sacrifices that ever it's called. Amen. And following Jesus. Amen. That, demand, that knowledge demands us to turn to God. The driving point of the message of temperance is to bring man to a place of recognizing that I cannot do this on my own. Amen. We cannot do this on our own. We need the help of God. We need God. So it was Paul delivered to Felix the message through, though you recognize the need for a change, you can't change yourself. You don't have that power. As he saw his need, he came to face to face with Jesus. Amen. And the third point of Paul's sermon was the most chilling of all, the subject of judgment. The subject of judgment should bring every man to a place of self-evaluation. Every one of us better be self-evaluating and being honest with ourselves. Amen. I'll say this, it's later than you think. Amen. Tomorrow's not going to cut it. Today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day that you need to take care of what you need to take care of. Amen. 
The subject of judgment should bring every man to a place of self-evaluation. As Felix sat that day in the presence of Jesus, all the facades of the role playing were stripped away. Amen. When men stand in the presence of Jesus, their character is revealed through the judgment of God. When the Lord steps into a room, his presence brings the joy to the worshiper and conviction to the sinner. We cannot escape God's judgment. Amen. In our own devices. We can reason it away, but our reasoning won't affect God's judgment. Amen. We can make feeble excuses, but excuses will not turn away the judgment of God. Judgment is sure. It is given to every man once to die, then to face judgment. We're not getting around it. I used to get tickled at my dad when we was taking care of him. Kept trying to tell me, Rex, don't get old. How do you not do that? It's going to happen. Judgment's going to happen. There's no way around it, folks. Amen. It's going to happen. The effect of the sermon was simple. As Felix and Drusilla listened to Paul's imprisoned plea for the word of God began to impact their lives. What Drusilla, what Drusilla thought is not even recorded. Amen. As far as Drusilla is concerned, an unbroken silence will encompass her until the trumpet sounds. However, for Felix, for Felix, is forever locked within the verses of Scripture. Felix heard the anointed words that echoed through his spirit on that day. He recognized his own lack of righteousness. He came to terms with his need for a Savior. He encountered Jesus Christ in the words of the Apostle Paul. He had the imaginations kindled by the fire and the spirit, for he saw the judgment in its ghostly grandeur. Amen. He saw the judge of the great white throne whose eyes will be like flaming fire. He saw the vast multitudes of people, himself included. All of the hideous wickedness of his guilty soul was exposed before the throne of judgment. Phyllis could not stand with his head held high at the initial onslaught of the word of God. His throne could have elevated him above men, but it could not elevate him above God. A lot of people running around today trying to be their own God. Amen. But there's coming a day when every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen. His robes may have hidden his sin in his heart, but they were powerless to turn away the piercing truth of the preached word of God. Felix was touched. Felix was moved. And Felix resisted the tug of God's love and mercy upon his heart. His memorial was forever constructed in the words, Felix trembled. He trembled. He trembled, but he steeled himself against the conviction. He trembled, but he didn't respond. He trembled, but he didn't, but he said, I'll wait till tomorrow. Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call unto thee. Not today, Paul. I've got too much power. I got too much I want to do. I got some wild oats I got to sow. I'm living all right, you know. I'm not breaking any of the Ten Commandments. I ain't killed nobody. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I got tomorrow. I'll take care of that tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow never comes. 
Scripture records that Paul would again go to the courts of Felix, but only for Felix to attempt to gain his money. The epistles to the Corinthians and Philippians both document that there were several churches who were periodically sending money to Paul in his last days. And Felix, unable to respond to the gospel message, found his soul pierced through many times over the love of money and his own lust. He never found a convenient season. Amen. Almost persuaded. Amen. Reminded of Agrippa. Almost persuaded. I'm almost, Paul, thou almost persuaded me. Felix trembles and says, come back tomorrow. There are people who still are almost persuaded. People who will argue with God and rationalize their own failures. People who will make excuses in the face of convictions. Amen. The human reasoning of the soul will bring hesitation when God calls. That hesitation will leave you trembling just as Felix did. Trembling without responding. I am a firm believer that many stand with Felix stood at the threshold of salvation. An unexplained longing deep within the soul is touched by a merciful word of God. Amen. Something in the heart causes a man or a woman to grow curious to want to hear more. To desire to experience the grace and truth. Then comes the dilemma. The cost of conversion. The price that must be paid to become a Christian. There is sin and lust that must be given up. There are certain compromises that you have made with your flesh and with this world that must be refused. Amen. There is love of money that must be overcome. All too often, those that are troubled in their conscience, those who tremble in their spirit as they come face to face with the love of God, stop short when the decision is demanded of them. The white knuckles. That almost thou persuadeth me. Come back another convenient day. Tomorrow. I got tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow never comes. The tragic truth this morning is that the Spirit will not always strive with such people. God spoke and Felix was refused to repent. Turning away, he said, I'll wait another day. He was a prisoner of tomorrow. Can I humbly tell you this morning that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't be a prisoner of tomorrow for tomorrow will never come. Amen. If you'll stand with me. More than a century ago, D.L. Moody was going, was doing a Sunday night preaching series titled The Life of Christ. On the fifth Sunday, October 8th, he preached to the largest congregation that he had ever addressed in that city, having taken to, for his text what shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? After preaching there was a great sweeping spirit of conviction that seized the house. D.L. Moody sensed this, but he also knew that next week's message would be the climax of the series. And he talked, because he was going to talk, be teaching on the cross. 
Rather than having an altar call that night, he told the people to go home and ponder in their hearts the question, what will you do with Jesus? Then he encouraged them to come again next Sunday when, he will go to, when they will go together to the cross and you will answer that question. Later in his life, Moody laminated, what a mistake. What a mistake. I have never dared to give an audience a week to think of their salvation since. If there was loss, they must rise up in judgment against me. Amen. I have never seen that congregation again. I have worked hard to keep back the tears today. I want to tell you the lesson I learned that night, which I have never forgotten, and that is this. When I preached to press Christ upon the people, then and there, and tried to bring them to a decision on the spot, I would rather have my right hand cut off than to give an audience a week to decide what to do with Jesus. What happened to traumatize the great evangelist so deeply that he determined to never preach again without a direct, bold altar call after every message was the Chicago Fire of 1871. As he preached after that night, Chicago started burning. Amen. In just a few hours, the building where he had been preaching was reduced to ashes. He never saw those people again. He had missed his opportunity to invite them to Christ. If you tremble in response to the gospel message today, you must do more. Amen. None of us knows what tomorrow brings. Amen. But I can declare to you today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. None of us know what tomorrow brings. If this is the last chance to hear the gospel, if this is the last chance to feel the tug of conviction on your heart, if you leave this place this morning and never again sit under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, what will your memorial be? Amen. It was just a typical Thursday. 21 years ago, everybody got up, went to work, done their own thing. It was just a normal day. But at 8.46, life took a turn. Amen. All those tomorrows that was sitting there, I'll do this tomorrow, I'll do this, it never came. For over 3,000 people, 25,000 injured, and some are still facing the illnesses today. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let the, the opportunity pass you by. Amen. Don't, don't ever let a moment when you're in the presence of God to not take that moment to reach out and to grab a hold of Him. I know this may be different this morning. Amen. But I feel in my heart, amen, that we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to where we're seeking righteousness. Amen. I never want to be in a service when I don't feel the Holy Ghost and it not convict me. Amen. Never again did, 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 did those people feel the challenge to repent of their sins. How many made a promise? I'll make it to church tomorrow. Amen. For tomorrow to never come. From that moment on, amen, Moody 
was a walking dead man having sinned away the last chance for eternal life. Talking about Felix. It is a dangerous thing to reject the Holy Ghost. It is a dangerous thing to turn away from the calling of God. Amen. When you can feel his ouch, when you can feel that gentle tug of the Spirit, you simply must respond. Amen. Here's the problem. Amen. Felix didn't reject Paul. He didn't reject Paul. He rejected God. And he rejected eternity. For what? The love of money, the lust of the flesh, the things of this world that are temporal, the things that are going to pass away. Amen. But he, re he rejected eternity. Amen. He rejected eternity. Again, for what? What are we allowing to hold us from fully giving ourselves to God? Amen. What are we... What is holding us back? What has us shackled that we can't come to an altar of repentance? Amen. I'm opening up these altars. Amen. I'm opening up these altars. Today's the day of salvation. Amen. There's testimony after testimony. 9-11's hard for me because it's two days after my brother's birthday. 37 years ago. Going to pick up his daughters. Amen. For Easter. Just a normal day. He had a past. He was getting it right. Working on it. Amen. Knocked on the door. Was greeted by a butcher knife through his heart. 37 stabs later, he laid on the floor, on the ground. The promise of tomorrow, but tomorrow never came. Amen. Don't put your trust in somebody else when you've got God Almighty here. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow never comes. Amen. I encourage you this morning to come and find a spot at this altar. Amen. And ask the Lord to search from the tops of your head to the soles of your feet. Lay everything you've got at this altar. Amen. Tomorrow never comes. Take care. Today is the day of salvation. What will your memorial be? What will your choices be this morning? Amen. Will I give it all to God? Or will I just walk away? Will I wait for tomorrow when tomorrow never comes? Lord, we love you. We praise you, Lord. We give you all ourselves to you, Lord. Withholding nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come and make your throne Show!